This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Good morning, everybody. It is Sunday, February 11th. Wonderful, dreary day here in southwestern Pennsylvania. It was a pretty nice weekend overall. Um, I, if anybody's been listening to me, known me for any extended period of time, you know I absolutely hate the cold. I cannot stand the cold. Um, if I could move to Florida and never have to pick up another snow shovel my entire life, it would never be too soon. I would just be the happiest person in the world if um, I didn't have to pick up a snow shovel again because I just really hate this cold stuff. I, I don't like it at all. I like being outside and the tank top, the shorts, and all that good stuff. But um, I don't want to rant too long. You know, we're talking about the weather and whatnot. Um, suffer enough. I was thinking about making the title suffer, but not too much. But then I thought about it a little bit more and I figured suffer enough was right. What do I mean by that? Well, we're going to dive into that today. Why suffering is necessary. I think I've probably talked about this in a different show, but you know, I've done enough of these now that <laughs> I don't want to say they all run together, but the, uh, you know, I've probably told the same stories a couple of times over. So, um, I'm sure I get some new listeners every here and there, but, um, for all the new listeners that are here, make sure you go to the links below to find where you can find me, my band, the other podcasts that I do all that good stuff, as well as the best supplements on the face of the planet. That's tigerfitness.com. And LMNT for the world's best electrolytes. Drink LMNT.com slash in liberty and health and Fox and Sons coffee. You guys are going to notice I'm moving my hands everywhere right now because I'm not drinking coffee this week. And uh, it is pretty dang hard to go without coffee for a little bit. But um, regardless, make sure you go over to FoxandSonsCoffee.com and use code Kyle at checkout. And um, let's get right into it. What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty, physical, and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on leg day. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because I got to go see Metallica. So if that's a problem, kiss my ass. Okay? Oh, ah, yeah. <laughs> All right. One more time. Good morning, everybody. Once again, you're going to see my hands are all over the place because I'm not drinking coffee. Um, the first day wasn't horrible. But um, having a headache for like the entire Monday definitely makes the start of the week a little bit rough. And um, I'm sure people have seen that, uh, you know, it, it's been a little bit of a rough start to 2024, not just for me, but for like everybody. So I promise we're going to get through this year. But um, the, the idea of fasting from coffee kind of goes with today's theme of the show, which is suffer enough. <laughs> if you use caffeine in exorbitant amounts like I used to, and probably will eventually get back to that point again and then have to do this all over again, um, it is suffering, but it's a necessary suffering. So um, at a certain point, I think I was probably up to probably like five or 600 milligrams of caffeine a day because I would wake up and take my, uh, the, oh God, I can't remember what it's called, but it's a fat burner. Just caffeine and some other appetite suppressant supplements and stuff kind of in it to help, you know, maintain um, your appetite throughout the day and also kind of get your basal metabolic rate up a little bit by, you know, more non-exercise activity thermogenesis or raising your core body temperature or something like that. Um, that had 150 milligrams of caffeine in it. And then I would have a cup of coffee on the way to work, which let's say that was 80 to 100 milligrams of caffeine. And then I had another cup, of, another cup of coffee at work or sometimes energy drink. So right there, I mean, another cup of coffee would be another 80 to 100. So right there, we're looking at 350 between those, you know, the fat burner and the two cups of coffee. And then if I had an energy drink, then we're closer to 500 milligrams of caffeine, which that's a fuck ton of caffeine. And nobody needs that much, including me. Um, 
I just enjoy drinking coffee. I like the way that energy drinks taste and I like the way that I feel after I drink them. People are going to spurg out about the aspartame and stuff like that. But I think I've done enough research and put enough information out there that you guys know, stop freaking out about aspartame. Everything's going to be okay. You can have aspartame. You're not going to lose your gains. Your dick's not going to fly off or anything like that. You'll be fine. I promise. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a form of suffering to go through a Monday in the automotive industry without having any coffee, but it's necessary because, um, after a certain point, you kind of become numb to it, right? So if you drink one cup of coffee every single day, eventually you're going to notice that you're going to have higher highs, lower lows, and then eventually it's just going to kind of stable off and then you don't really feel the effects of caffeine. So of course, us stupid Americans, what do we like to do? Well, if a little bit is good, then a lot must be better. So if 100 milligrams of caffeine is good, then 500 milligrams of caffeine must be great. <laughs> To tell you that doesn't always work that way. There's the uh, concept that I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with called diminishing returns, where after a certain point, don't really do much. <laughs> if you take, you know, your daily allowance, I shouldn't say allowance, but like daily supplement of five grams of creatine, that's good. Because eventually what's going to happen is that you're going to saturate your muscle cells with creatine and it's going to help your muscle cells retain water, right? If you take 10 grams of creatine every single day, then you're going to get gut pain because what happens is all that creatine, all the creatine powder is going to sit in your gut and it's going to hold water in your gut and it doesn't feel good. And you're not getting any additional benefits. Um, now, people brought up like creatine loading, but you don't have to do that for an extended period of time. So once again, if you take five grams of creatine every single day, then you saturate your muscle cells with creatine, and then, you know, you're going to be good. You get a little bit of a performance boost and also you get a cognitive boost. There have been lots of studies on this as well, um, where they actually supplemented vegans with creatine. And what they found is that actually vegans tended to have better mental performance when supplemented with creatine because you find creatine in red meat in animal foods. So, but um, regardless, when they gave vegans creatine, their mental performance actually got better. But if you gave them 10 grams of creatine, then they're not going to feel any better. If you get 15, they're definitely not going to feel any better because you, that creatine is going to hold water in your gut. Not good. You don't want to do that. Um, But yeah, so like part of my origin story with a lot of this, you know, stuff from Red Pill, Automotive, um, weightlifting. I hate to say it, but a lot of it, I don't want to say necessarily comes from insecurity, but, but, but comes from wanting to be better, which I guess you could say is a form of insecurity. I mean, I guess not every single way that we interpret insecurity is always bad. And this is something that, uh, I'm just kind of thinking of on the fly here, but yeah, maybe it was insecurity. Um, I was fucked with a lot as a kid. So what I want to do, I want to get big and strong so that way people didn't fuck with me anymore, um, which people still do. But, you know, you learn to take it better, um, specifically working in the automotive industry. You know that you're a um, that you're in a hierarchy and where you fall on that is going to dictate how much you get fucked with. And no matter where you fall on it, you're probably going to get fucked with no matter what. Um, Jordan, good morning, friend. You can have insecurity that isn't crippling. Yes, absolutely. Well, this kind of gets to what I'm saying here. So like. My insecurity was when I was 14, 15 years old, around when I first started working out. I got picked on. I didn't feel good about myself. So what I want to do, I decided that I'm going to suffer and put a barbell over my face and press it until um, it hurts, until I can't move my arms at all. You know, I'm sure everybody, the first couple times they worked out, or if you take a long enough period of time off of working out, then um, you know what it's like to get back into it. When you get back into working out, what happens? Oh my God, I don't want to do anything. I, I worked out legs yesterday, now I can't even fucking walk. Um, it sucks, but that suffering's necessary, so that way you put on lean muscle. That way you look better. Your shirts get a little bit tighter in all the right areas. They don't get tighter down here. They get tighter up here, which is where you want. Um, you're able to pick up weight and move things in an easier fashion because you have more contractile tissue and you're also more physiologically able to use that contractile tissue, that lean tissue to move what you're trying to move and to do what you're trying to do. So therefore, I did have an insecurity about the way that I looked, the way that I felt. And that caused me to work my ass off to get to where I am today, where I'm bench pressing 300 pounds. I can deadlift 500 pounds and I can squat 400 pounds. Now, if you listen to a lot of powerlifters, it's not very impressive. But for the average guy, I'd like to believe that I do pretty damn good. Um, when it came to red pill stuff, I had a lot of trouble with women when I was a kid. 
So how do I deal with that? I didn't deal with it. Well, you know what? You could definitely say I dealt with it destructively at one point as in, you know, oh, fuck women, take the red pill and just say, you know, right here for all yins. But um, I did do that for a period. I was like, oh, you know, these MGTOW guys are right. Um, and for those who don't know, and you shouldn't know because it's a very, very awful corner of the internet, but uh, MGTOW is men going their own way, which uh, these guys, I honestly do believe that they get a lot of the description right, but they get the prescription wrong. So when they look at today's dating market, and the way that things are for men, you know, between the way that our culture views masculinity and men and relationships and marriage and all that stuff, they find that, hey, it's a very, very bad setup for men. So we're just going to go our own way. That's the prescription. Description, culture, society, government at large does not do a lot of things that benefits men, at least not in any serious capacity when it comes to our sexual strategy or positive male identity. The prescription then is to just say fuck it all and I'm going to just be worried about myself and be very, very self-centered. Um, that's not entirely a bad thing, all things considered. Now, if you use that destructively where you're not doing anything for people, you're not a sociable person, you're not enjoyable to be around, or you don't engage with women in any serious capacity, then that's dealing with it, in my mind, pretty destructively because I think women are great um beings to be around i enjoy being around women i mean i love my wife i love my singer I love my mom <laughs> female dogs whatever i mean some of the women i work with I, I think they're all great that's dealing with you know your problems with women constructively is building good relationships with people of the opposite sex so that way you're a more pleasant person to be around dealing with it destructively would be to go around being mean to people unnecessarily and making people's quality of life worse because you can't, you're not able to deal with the reality at hand, which is that once again, government, society, and culture do not um, want to promote men's uh, positive male identity or positive, positive sexual strategy. So I got into red pill because I figured um, I need to find a way to deal with myself and the world around me in a constructive way. So the goals I want to have, have a family and be a happy and sociable person, which I would like to believe that I am. Hopefully I come across that way to all you guys listening that uh, I'm a happy, sociable person. Um, and, you know, when I see my friends having success, this contributes to why I believe I'm a sociable person. Um, it makes me happy. You know, when I saw Scott Horton, Connor Freeman and Kyle Anzalone on part of the problem, I thought that was awesome. I'm like, great. These guys are freaking awesome. You know, to see guys that I know and I interact with all the time going on Dave's podcast, who is a friend of mine as well. Um, that's awesome for them. They have something to kind of put under their belt and say like, Hey, you know, this is all my resume. So when I go into bigger shows, they have more credibility behind their name. And, you know, God knows these guys definitely deserve to have that widespread recognition because these are guys doing kind of the boots on the ground work when it comes to anti-war reporting. Um, now when it comes to work stuff, uh, there was definitely, or sorry, I should probably put a bow on the uh, red pill stuff, but yeah, the bow on the whole red pill deal was I started using red pill praxeology as a set of tools to make my life better, but that was a form of suffering that I once endured being bad with women and then learning about this information, being angry about the information that I received and understanding that like, Hey, this one soulmate is a lie and all this other stuff. Um, that's a form of suffering. And I dealt with it destructively for a certain period of time, but now I deal with that constructively by having good relationships with people who mean the most to me. When it comes to the automotive industry, it's really, really crazy to me because it doesn't feel like it's been 11 years, but it has been 11 years. Um, the summer of 2012, I worked for my dad down at his shop and that really wasn't quite like the ball busting situation. I was uh, one of his old employees who's a really, really good dude. Um, I won't kind of go into the details towards the end of that, but let's just say it didn't end very, very favorably for anybody. Um, they didn't really bust my balls that much, although yeah, I'd get little pot shots every here and there. And I kind of learned how to work on cars a little bit, work for my dad over that summer. And then March of 2013 is when I started Nick Chevrolet. Uh, JC is getting involved in libertarian politics considered suffering enough. Um, you know what? Oh boy. I'll have to come back to that. <laughs> I'll get to that right after this. So I started at Nick Chevrolet. I probably shouldn't have said that, but that's okay. Um, it was a little Chevy dealership down in Trenum in 2013. 
And man, did I get my fucking dick kicked in every single fucking day. And I've talked about this ad nauseum on the podcast. I'm absolutely sure. But this goes to today's theme of just suffering. Um, You know, if I was five minutes early, I'd get berated. Where are you? Why aren't you here on time? You know, if you're not, <clears throat> if you're not 15 minutes early, you're late, which I think actually is a reasonable standard to set for people. Um, if I was on my phone, my God, would they fucking lay into me? Um, if there was any speck of fucking dirt in the entire goddamn shop, <laughs> you know, why didn't you have a broom? Why weren't you cleaning? Why weren't you staying busy? Um, if there were old folders to be taken out that need to be crushed, they had to be crushed. Um, if there was garbage that had to be taken out back, I mean, I was everything all the time. You know, if there was a vehicle that needed the oil change, okay, well, you pull up in the lift and you do oil changes. So um, they really beat me the fuck up. But I think that was a form of suffering that was absolutely necessary to make me better and to make me into who I am today. Um, I'm getting like all these Twitter bots that are constantly following my alt on Twitter, which is locked. Um it's funny there, there's all of these porn bots where you could put my ass in bio which i'll put that in the in the chat my ass in <laughs> bio <laughs> um you see all of these twitter bots always put my ass in bio and it, it is kind of funny <laughs> i, I kind of wish i was seeing scott horton um Golf about those porn bots. I'm surprised he hasn't yet because he used to be the one that always used to uh, motherfuck Elon Musk for the uh, porn bots. But um, anyways, working there Chevrolet, I started there at $7.25 an hour, which is the minimum wage here in Pennsylvania. Uh, it was suffering. I made the same money working at McDonald's for years before that. And I started at Chevrolet, you know, a couple years after that to uh, kind of build my accolades and to get something on my resume to say that like, Hey, I worked at this place and man, like I said, they just fucking beat my ass day in day out. And it was for good reason, because that made me into a disciplined person. It made me into a disciplined worker and encouraged me to show up to work on time and do my duties that were expected of me by my superiors, recognizing my place in that hierarchy as the low man on the totem pole and just understanding you got to take your kick in the teeth until it's time for you not to get kicked in the teeth. And I went to college and same deal. I could have went out and partied and got all drugged up and did all that stuff. And still to this day, I've never smoked weed, never smoked a cigarette. I have just absolutely zero interest in doing all that stuff. I hate the smell of weed and cigarettes. I mean, there's like no benefit to cigarettes. So why would you do that? Um, But I went to college and I decided that I'm going to delay the gratification of partying and drinking and doing all that ridiculous shit right now to become a better person, you know, later on. So that way when I graduated college at the top of my class, which I did, um, to get whatever job I wanted to. And still to this day, I mean, it's just about anybody. If you really work in the automotive industry and you're a tech, there ain't exactly techs beating down the fucking door everywhere, right? <laughs> There's, it's, it's hard to get people that want to work on cars anymore because this job is fucking hard. It sucks. <laughs> the pay, if you don't have all the paperwork and aren't good at it, can sometimes suck. But if you're able to go through all the training, if you're patient, if you learn, if you listen, if you get your ass handed to you for a long enough period of time, then more than likely you're going to come out on the other side of that and be better for it. That's exactly my story. And I think that's the story for most guys too, who get to be successful in the automotive industry. Um, so, you know, let's do some banter, I guess. Uh, is getting involved in libertarian politics considered suffering enough? Um, if you consider the libertarian party, um, and all the doing that goes with that suffering, um, I guess you should ask yourself, what is the goal there? If your goal is to get elected and you haven't got elected and you continually get, you know, less than 5% of the vote and you're not winning your seats, then you should ask if that's necessary suffering. This is going to be an unpopular opinion. I've quite changed my mind over the last couple of years when it comes to libertarian party stuff, but um, if you're not, if your goal is to just send a message through the libertarian party, then I actually think that's a decent vehicle for that because um, you stand alone and the libertarian party is still an unknown factor enough that like, if that's what you want to do, which I don't do that, but people are free to do that if they so choose, um, 
then it's still unknown enough that you can shape it to what you want it to be. So like the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire has done a great job of that. People can knock them for what they say. I agree with probably all of it. And I think they're absolutely hilarious. But like that served as a good springboard for them to get their message out there of, you know, hey, we're libertarians from New Hampshire and we are just going to bombard you with the most sincere libertarian message that we could possibly think of. And for them, that works pretty damn well. For the presidential candidates, we'll see how this goes for 2024. Um, if it's not Rechtenwald or Josh, I think I'll probably be a little bit hesitant to go to the ballot box, if I'm being completely honest. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's completely up to people if they want to do that. But I probably, I don't know, I don't see libertarian politics stuff as quite like my thing. Like, I, I don't want to sit there at meetings. I don't want to do the grindy stuff, you know, being treasurer or, you know, the chair of my local LP affiliate. Um, That just doesn't interest me. It used to at one point, but uh, when I kind of saw the slog and just all the bureaucracy involved with it, I declined to get involved. Uh, Alice, thank you so much for dropping by. Good morning. And I'm working on getting in shape again. Found out I'm not as good at jump rope as I used to be. Well, you know what? There was a story that came up on my Facebook. I'll see if I could pull it up from a couple of years ago. And I hadn't worked out. Actually, this is probably like four or five years ago now because I've lost all the weight that I used to have on when I was a uh, you know thick boy, two C's. Um, I was 250 pounds. And I remember I started doing some high intensity workouts, which is what they had. And uh, I remember there were two girls who weren't really in that good of shape. Um, oh, no, I can't find it. That's all right. Um, but basically, uh, I remember there were these, there was like this older woman and a girl who's probably like, at most maybe five or six years older than me at the time, maybe 10 years, I don't fucking know. Um, and we did this high intensity interval workout and I was cooked, fucking cooked by the end of it. I mean, I was like, <laughs> you know, just fucking winded. And that was kind of like a little seed in my mind that I wasn't as in good of shape as I thought. And this was back before I realized that like, Hey, what you put in your mouth actually affects the way that you feel and how much you weigh and how much muscle you can gain. Um, I was that fucking stupid back then five, six years ago now. And, uh, it was a good humbling reminder, but it was the theme of the uh, show necessary suffering and suffering enough that taught me you need to get your ass into better shape. Um, seems like they're making cars harder and harder to work on. Even for mechanics, seems like the establishment is trying to discourage cars as much as possible. Um, I would agree with the former and disagree with the latter. Um, they're definitely making cars harder to work on in some cases. Yes. And in some cases, no, um, I'm just kind of used to working on new shit now. So that's just kind of what I know. Like I know pretty much every single time you're doing a headlamp bulb anymore, you're taking off the bumper cover. And for me, that's good because I get paid more to put that bulb in. But for you guys, you have to pay a fuck ton more to get a bulb changed. For me, I like it. And I'm used to it. I can get bumpers off brand new Cadillacs, Acadias, um, lots of cars in like a half hour. And that's being like poking around. If I really want to be quick, then probably like 15, 20 minutes, I could have a bumper off like a brand new Cadillac um, just because I'm used to doing it and we have to do it so much. So um, now when it comes to them wanting to discourage cars, um, sort of, they want electric vehicles. And I remember when I was in college in 2015 and they were saying that they wanted the cafe standards, which are the corporate average fuel economy standards to be at like 50 miles per gallon by 2020 or 2030. And still to this day, I mean, like the Ford tea bucket back in the fucking day, back in like the 1910s, 1915, around there, the Ford tea bucket got like 15 miles of a gallon. Your average Civic or like, for example, my old uh, manual Cobalt got like 38 miles of a gallon. So, I mean, we've made progress, but then you look at like a full-size truck with displacement on demand, which basically just shuts off cylinders. So instead of having a, you know, full V8 engine, you have like a V4 engine. Um, they still get like 12 miles to the gallon. So, I mean, like in some ways we've come pretty far and in some ways we haven't. And that was with, you know, back in the day, that was all carbureted stuff. And then like the fifties, sixties, there were some cars that were fuel injected, but then went back to carburetors and then they went to throttle body injected, which basically where you have like a little injector that sits on top of the throttle body and just sprays down fuel into it. 
they went to fuel injection, which are a bunch of injectors that are shooting fuel into the intake. And then when the intake valve opens, it sucks the fuel in. And then now we're into direct injection where on the compression stroke, which is when the um, piston is coming up inside the cylinder to compress all that air and fuel, the fuel gets shot in by an injector at sometimes up to like a thousand PSI um a thousand pounds per square inch um it shoots the fuel into the cylinder and then compresses all the air and everything together and then intake compression power and then exhaust or intake compression power you know the spark plug detonates the piston goes back down and then it pushes all the exhaust gas out so i know it's like a long roundabout way but basically like they're trying to get suvs crossovers and stuff to be out there but they need to have lots of electrics and small vehicles like a lot of the new gm crossovers have three cylinder turbos in them and what they're trying to do is basically make their average fuel economy of their overall vehicles be better so this is why you're not seeing as many like v8 cars v6 cars or anything like that like gm no longer makes like the impala malibu chevy cruise sonic or anything like that and they have like crossovers with three cylinder turbos because basically they're trying to raise the overall fuel standard or the fuel economy of this is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer he hears things differently to the untrained ear everything on his shop floor might sound fine but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping so he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All of their vehicles up. Because if you sell 100 trucks, then your overall fuel economy for your company is going to be very, very low. But if you saw a whole shitload of like Buick, uh, not Invistas, no, it might be the Invista, but basically like it's it's just like a Buick crossover with a three-cylinder turbo engine, then those are going to bring up your overall um, fuel economy average. That's what a lot of um, car manufacturers are looking to do now is basically just raise the corporate average fuel economy because uh, the government wants people to make cars more and more you know just friendly to the environment they want you to be able, they want you to be able to stick that tailpipe and fucking make it touch the back of your skull and you will be perfectly fine if that car is running which is just a complete total fantasy um that's why we have catalytic converters too is because they take the platinum rhodium palladium and all the other stuff inside the catalytic converter basically it takes the gases out of the engine and then adds um different molecules to it so that way it just comes out as water or co2 out of the exhaust uh let me see being in politics definitely isn't for everyone we all need to focus on what we're good at and yeah i would like to believe i'm good at this maybe i'm not <laughs> you know that's up for you guys to decide and for um me to decide as well but you know who the fuck knows um i'd like to believe i'm good at the foreign policy stuff the health stuff and red pill stuff and i enjoy just shooting the shit with people and talking shit and just being authentically who i am hopefully you guys enjoy it too you know <laughs> so um I think that's more my place. Would I ever go into electoral politics? Maybe. I've thought about it. I thought about it a lot. I thought about running this year, but you know, that was like two years ago. And then now here we are. And I'm like, yeah, that's just not going to happen. So let me run a commercial real quick and we'll get right back into it. All right, guys, we are going to take a quick break from the show to tell you about the show's sponsor. We are now brought to you by Fox and Sons Coffees. You can see right here, I got the Den Blend Dark. Really enjoy that. Um, I've been drinking a lot of their Brazil honey prep right here. As you can hear, there's not a lot of beans left in it because I've been drinking it quite a bit. Um, just to tell you a little bit about Fox and Sons, why I support them and why you should too, is that uh, Stephen had started the company up in Michigan to help teach his son about entrepreneurship. Um, I'm all about that. And I do firmly believe that in order to spread liberty in our lifetimes, we have to support those who support similar values as us. And Stephen does support all the same libertarian values that I bring and talk about on the show a lot. So go to foxandsons.com, use code Kyle at checkout to get 15% off of orders, $25 or more. And there's always free shipping whenever you place an order that is more than $37.99. Um, find their coffee absolutely fantastic, and I'm sure you will too. So uh, one more time, go to foxandsons.com, use code Kyle at checkout to get yourself a little discount. Let them know I sent you and support the coffee that supports you. All right, guys, thanks. Back to the show. Happy Denmark. Thank you so much for dropping by, friend. Hope you are well and hope you're having a fantastic Sunday morning or whatever it is over there in Denmark. Regardless, best wishes here from uh, your favorite Ianzer. Uh, Alice, I don't have time for getting involved in politics. I'm homeschooling and raising Liberty Kids. That's how I help the Liberty Movement. 
Uh, yeah, absolutely. Funny enough, um, that's sometimes just the slow slog that you got to go through. Uh, my wife and I are going to have kids, and same deal. <laughs> we'll raise little badasses that will raise hell and uh, hopefully make the world a little bit of a better place. Uh, it, it just kind of frustrates me, people who are like so doom-pilled or pessimistic about the future. Um, if you want to bring about a better world, then you got to put more feet on the planet and have those feet be productive feet, right? I mean, that's kind of like a long roundabout way to say it, but yeah, basically like you got to raise up a whole generation of libertarians and people who want to see the values that we always talk about, right? Um, it's easier to raise good children than to repair broken men. Um, on that. Yes. And no, uh, we should definitely raise good children, but um, I wouldn't say that men are necessarily broken. They're, they've just been so disenfranchised and deracinated to the point where um, a lot of guys don't feel the love. They don't, they've been raised as the effect of women their entire lives. So they don't feel like society appreciates them or the work they do, but Part of the reason why I enjoy talking about red pill stuff so much is because um, it's about just what is. Society does not care about you. And to be honest, nobody really does care. And why should they? I mean, we all got our own stuff going on. We have so many things to worry about in our personal lives. Um, okay, men meaning adults in general. Okay, I apologize. But yeah, basically, like, nobody really cares. So, like, what are you going to do? Are you going to sit here and bitch, piss, and moan that nobody cares? Are you just going to accept like, oh, well, if nobody cares, then I can just do whatever the fuck I'm going to do anyways and ascribe my own meaning and purpose to it. Um, am I saying that you like shouldn't be religious or anything like that? No, I'm just saying that like if nobody cares, then you get to make your own happiness and you get to make your own goals and define it in your own way. I mean, that's uh, I, I did that whole podcast a couple weeks ago on nihilism and meaning. And yeah, I mean, I think it's a really optimistic thing to kind of think about that. Like you get to kind of set the tone for your own life and you get to define your own success. For me, success right now would be making more money, having kids and, you know, putting out good music, good podcasts, and then talking to really, really interesting people like I've been doing. And it's been a lot of fun. I mean, I'm very, very grateful that my podcast has been what it has been. Um, you know, I, I've said it before. I always, we all wish we could be more successful, but you know, I, I kind of like the, uh, loyals and the people who come hang out here and just shoot the shit with me on these Sunday mornings. It's just, uh, it's cool. You know, you guys listen to me ramble for, on for like 45 to an hour. And, uh, yeah, it's just kind of like my little small community here. Um, I want to talk about the Tucker and Putin interview, which I think was interesting to say the least. It doesn't really have to do with today's show, but I really want to talk about it nonetheless. Um, one of the biggest things that I picked up from that whole deal is just how pathetic both Joe Biden and Donald Trump are. And like, obviously, Biden is a lot more pathetic than Trump. I mean, we, we can call the fucking spade a spade. Um, everybody knows I do not like Trump at all. And it's not for Trump derangement syndrome or, oh, my God, he's a, you know, Austrian painter or anything like that. It's because um, all the stuff that people like him for, he failed them on, or at least like they're supposed to like him for, you know, the certain medical treatment stuff, lockdowns, foreign policy, uh, domestic policy, spending, all that stuff. He was all bad on all of it people love him still and like he <laughs> look at the bud light situation that's a perfect example of the conservatives and the right wing protesting a company that um should have been protested because you're putting up a man dressed like a woman to a bunch of people who you know probably paid your bills and telling them like hey this is a woman and you have to endorse all this and then trump goes around and says oh no they're a great company. They're the greatest company in the world. You love it. I love it. Everybody knows it. It's just drink the Bud Light. Um, but basically, he like revived them. And now literally you see all these right wingers just on a dime. Everybody loves Bud Light again. Like it's fucking ridiculous. You guys were taking a principled stance. At least in theory, you guys were making a principled stance. And then because Joe or uh, Donald Trump told you not to, now all of a sudden you guys just turn on a dime and everybody loves Bud Light again. Like, are you serious? But uh, the Trump Tucker interview or Trump Tucker, Tucker, the Trump Tucker interview kind of sucked. I mean, Tucker really treated him with kids gloves and then to let him go on Epstein killed himself. Like, really? <laughs> you really believe that? Um, 
Putin was very, very well-spoken, very, very intelligent, knew the history of his country very well and was able to lay it out. Like if you sat down Trump or Biden and asked them to give the history of the U.S., fuck, you could take me down. I wouldn't be able to tell you the history of the U.S., but I mean, like as two people who are president, neither of them would be able to fucking do that. Like it's ridiculous. They would never be able to do that. Putin did in a very clear, concise, patient way. And like he held a conversation with Tucker for almost two hours. I mean, it was impressive for a 71 year old dude. Biden's like not or 10 years older than him or something like that. Trump's like eight or nine years older than him. And neither one of them have nearly the same intellectual capacity that uh, Putin did. Um, Trump is going to save America. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I know what you mean by that. Uh, Joe Biden cactus. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much you could take that cactus shove it up his ass for all i care but um basically like all the stuff that people love trump for he just failed them on but uh just the uh I, I came off admiring putin a little bit and yes is he just as bad if not worse than trump or biden no actually i i actually think that uh putin is less of a war criminal than trump or biden and obama if you're just gonna buy our last three presidents um He's definitely killed a lot less people. He has not invaded nearly as many countries, added countries to this giant military alliance. Um, so, yeah, I'm sorry. Putin's a better guy than Biden, Trump, or Obama is what it is. doesn't mean I want to live in Russia, but at the same time, um, he definitely has committed less war crimes than anybody in the U.S. has. Uh, JC, it seems obvious that Tucker is not outside of the corporate press. He's still a controlled opposition for the modern age of social media, along with the Connie con conservative and gatekeepers. If I said con Inc, I, I was struggling with that. I don't know why. Uh, yes, JC spot on analysis. And I completely agree. Um, and it was kind of funny because pretty much the entire interview, I'm pretty sure Putin was sitting there saying, Hey, you're a CIA asset, aren't you? Like your intelligence. I, I know what's going on here. Um, yeah, now, like, I don't want to hate Tucker, but I don't necessarily love him either. My problem with Tucker is that people kind of lose, like, objectivity when it comes to him, and they just think, oh, my God, he's so good on everything. But, like, let's not forget 10, 15 years ago, he was saying Iran should be destroyed. And he was all for all the Middle Eastern wars until Trump got in, then it became a convenient talking point for a lot of people to be anti-war. But also don't forget, you know, the video clip of sitting on a throne of Chinese skulls, which, you know what, let me see if I can find that sitting on a throne of Chinese skulls. I want to make sure I get this right. Okay. Let me see if this is the video. No, no, damn it. Uh, if I could find... Okay, here we go. Here we go. This is what I was looking for. Um, Let me do a share screen. Shut out my DMs. <laughs> Every single time I do a share screen, my DMs are always up. Uh, Scott Ritter as president and Scott Horton as vice president. You know, I don't know that much about Scott Ritter. I, I saw him in person for like a brief second at the anti-war rally um last year and my understanding is that he was doing everything he could to stop the iraq war from going on because he's a uh like really intelligent nuclear arms inspector and he knew that uh afghanistan iraq and everywhere over there didn't have or saddam he knew that saddam didn't have weapons of mass destruction basically so he wanted to stop the uh war in iraq from going on so i'm sorry that i'm kind of babbling on here but uh, I really wanted to share this with you guys. Let me go back over here. Put myself right there. Uh, right wingers watch the interview and realize Putin isn't the trad right caricature they create in their head. He still sports the vax, fifteen minute cities, and cashless society. Yeah, well, you know what's funny is that uh, that um, Putin came off typo from five till midnight and biting the bullet. We were kind of talking about this, and he said that like. Putin came off almost blue-pilled, like, and this was actually a very, very astute observation, I agree with it, that um, Putin kept saying that it was a mistake that the West did all this stuff, and that's, like, fascinating to me. That was a very, very fascinating takeaway that, like, oh, the West just did this stuff by mistake. Like, you don't recognize the, uh, the U.S. invading your territory or putting bases all around your country and trying to incorporate NATO 
or um ukraine and nato as like a threat you just think that this is like a mistake it's uh not that i think putin's telling the truth but it's either him playing down the threat of nato to make it seem like he's kind of naive or he is actually naive either way it's it's a very interesting dynamic that he put on there so uh here's what i wanted to play so this is Tucker's been a huge propagandist when it comes to China, and then he lets Jesse Kelly go off here. Jesse, really simple. Do you think the key to remaining competitive with the Chinese military is more gender advisors? Oh, there's no question, Tucker. I mean, China right now and Russia, they're both testing hypersonic missile, missiles that can turn New York City to ash. Uh, Russia is actually developing and has developed satellites that can push our satellites out of orbit and completely cripple our military. Our military, though, they're focused on the important things. We want to focus on climate change, and we definitely have to make sure there are enough tampons in the restrooms at the Pentagon. That's kind of what they're saying. I mean, you, 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 I mean, I don't know. There's a psychological term for this, and it escapes my memory at the moment, but where there's a massive real threat that you can't deal with, so you scurry off and deal with imaginary threats to make yourself feel in control. That kind of feels like what we're watching. Well, what we're watching is the destruction of the U.S. military, and what we're going to end up seeing, Tucker, is thousands, tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of Americans die. That's Those are the stakes right. of the game we're playing here. We don't need a military that's woman-friendly. We don't need a military that's gay-friendly, with all due respect to the Air Force. We need a military that's flat-out hostile. We need a military full of type A men who want to sit on a throne of Chinese skulls. But we don't we don't have that now. We, we can't even get women off of naval vessels. That should be step one, but most of them are already pregnant anyway yeah i mean to let some unhinged fucking neocon nonsense fly off on your channel and then i'm pretty sure after that tucker kind of gave like a nod to it um not anti-war i mean that is not good at all uh irving figueroa uh she was being sarcastic with that that's why she had the emoji afterwards uh is jesse kelly the guy who said blair white was hot i don't know <laughs> Oh my god, how funny would that be, though? <laughs> Scott has done more for world peace than uh, some so-called leader. Um, yeah, I, I believe it. Um, I Like I said, I don't know um, much about Scott Ritter. I should probably listen to some of his interviews. I know he did Reed's show. Um, I'm sure that was a really, really good show. Maybe I will listen to that sometime today. Um, but yeah, my understanding is that he's... Uh, he also came out as like pro Putin, which I think the pro Putin stuff is kind of goofy. But at the same time, um, I think that he really he, basically the reason why a lot of people say they're pro Putin and I, I do not agree with this position. I'm just saying um, that I think this is their perspective. They view that Putin conquering Ukraine is the quickest path to peace, which I think you can make a pretty good argument for that. Do I agree with that argument? Not really, because I think that, like, hey, the Ukrainian people do have a right to their territory and their sovereignty. So, like, it's cool if we respect that. <laughs> like, I think that's we, we should allow the Ukrainian people to have their own autonomy in their own area and their own government and all that, if that's what they so choose. Um, I do think that it's wrong that Putin went in there and slaughtered, you know, now it's probably been hundreds of thousands of people. I don't know how many the uh, death toll is. I'd have to ask, like, Kyle, Connor or uh dave for that answer but yeah uh putin was downplaying the threat to give us a path to peace um i think that's i i really do believe that putin does not want the smoke from the west i think that he really does just kind of want all this shit to be over uh ron paul was the president this nation deserved but both parties denied him yes yes and this point right here this is what so many what frustrates me with uh people who always say that like donald trump wasn't supposed to happen but he did <laughs> whether you guys want to say he's anti-establishment or he wasn't supposed to happen or whatever he did and then he fell in line if they really did not want trump in charge they would have already put a bullet through his skull or they would have just blanked him out they would have given the ron paul treatment why didn't they Pied piper strategy could it be that benign? Sure, but I, I legitimately think that Trump was a purposeful figure in this whole deal, and they wanted him to get in there. Um, now, as to whether or not he was compromised before or after he got into the White House, I don't know. It's hard to believe that a New York billionaire who was friends with the Clintons and Epstein wasn't an insider and wasn't privy to a lot of this stuff. Um, 
and it's also convenient how in 2020, I, I sincerely do believe that Hillary Clinton was the president and she wanted to mandate lockdowns, then people would have lost their ever loving fucking minds. Uh, I believe that would have been the situation, but because it was Trump, because people trusted Trump a lot more than they trusted Hillary, um, they accepted lockdowns of the state of emergency and all that a lot more than um, they would have from Hillary. Um, it is probably not Putin who does not want peace. Yes, I agree. I legitimately do think Putin did not want the war in Ukraine. I think he, and people are saying that he wants to reconstitute the Soviet Union. I mean, that's just, just fucking ridiculous. Um, it, it's so dumb. I, I can't even begin to describe it. Um, I, I don't think he wants to fight this world war, and I don't think he's going to go move on Poland or anything like that. Like anyone who thinks that is just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, it's always okay when your side is doing it. Yes, that's exactly it. Um, but yeah, like, I don't think Putin wants to reconstitute the Soviet Union. I think he just wants NATO to be off his fucking back, which I think is a reasonable concern. Um, you know, people make the comparison all the time, but I think it's apt. If China was putting missiles on the Canadian border and Russia was putting missiles on the Mexican border, we would lose our ever goddamn minds. Uh, we would nuke Moscow and Beijing the day after they announced that Javelin anti-tank missiles were pointed at Michigan or pointed at Texas. Like, people would rightfully lose their goddamn minds. <clears throat> but it's okay if everybody else does it. Um, it takes a Republican for conservatives to accept lockdowns, creeping gun control, and government spending. Yes, it does. Um, and that's why I do believe that the, like, the Republican Party is a controlled opposition. And you had seen that you know, Democrats were funding a lot of Republicans who, th who they thought they could beat. Yeah, it's uh, it's all goofy stuff, guys. Um, all right. All right. You know what? We should wrap on the main topic of the show. Um, you guys need to do hard shit, right? Um, I did a little workout yesterday that sucked and it was funny. I have a 50 pound ball downstairs and, um, it was a fucking, it was probably the hardest 10 minutes of the day. And I know it sounds like 10 minutes. I can't be that bad. So I have a 75 pound kettlebell, 50 pound ball, and then a 30 inch jump box in my basement. Yes. My basement is that tall, um, that I can jump on top of a 30 inch box. And if I stand up, I'm going to hit my head on the ceiling. But like, if I'm somewhat crouched over, I won't hit it. Um, I did three rounds of 10 kettlebell or 10 reps, kettlebell swings with a 75, 75 pound kettlebell. Jeez. I can't even talk. A took the 50 pound ball and threw it over my shoulder 10 times for three sets. And then I did the box jump for eight reps, three times. It took me 10 minutes to do all those, but I'll tell you what, my heart rate was at like 165 or something like that. <laughs> and yeah, I was panting pretty hard. It was a brutal 10 minutes but it was necessary because I conditioned myself to be a little bit better than I was before that workout. I'm going to recover. My heart rate's going to go up and it's going to come back down and I'm going to feel fantastic after that. That's why you have to suffer <laughs> because every time you suffer a little bit and you suffer enough, you're going to get better. Every time you suffer too much, then you may not be able to recover. So that's why you got to find this moderate amount <laughs> people don't like moderation and it's not sexy when i tell people that um you know you can have whatever you want but you just kind of have to watch how much you eat um people don't like that because it's not as sexy as well fuck seed oils and eat my keto bar and you'll generate more ketones and you're gonna get ripped as possible that's pretty sexy but it don't work <laughs> it may work but it's not like the reason why it does work is because you're putting yourself into a caloric, you know, a caloric deficit and you're losing weight and then you feel better and you get into a better body composition, all that good stuff. Um, Gustav, thank you so much for dropping by friend. Um, it's necessary to suffer so that way you can become better. That's why I lift weights. That's why I do this podcast. Not that this podcast is suffering, but <clears throat> it's time taken away from other things I can do. Because I was playing World of Warcraft before this. I'm going to be playing World of Warcraft after. But um, <laughs> basically, um, you know, I'm delaying gratification so that way I can do other stuff. Stakes, I know who that is. Fuck keto. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, actually, you know what? No, 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 no. You don't really do keto. I know you. <laughs> No, I don't really have a problem with keto. If it works for you, then it works for you. It doesn't work for me. 
I did carnivore for a while and it didn't work for me. And then like after carnivore, I did more of a flexible dieting approach, but I had like a lot more of a high fat diet than anything. And eventually I just kind of shifted back to like a more moderate approach. Works for me. What works for me may not work for you. You got to figure out what works for you and you have to suffer just enough to get to the right body composition, the right muscle, you know, mass, whatever, whatever parameters you're going to set, you're going to have to suffer enough to get to the point where you're happy and it meets your goals. Uh, carb cycle. Yeah. You know what? Um, for me, I keep a moderate amount of, or probably I, I need my phone, but my phone's not in the room with me. I think I get around like 250 to 300 grams of carbs a day. And then usually like 80 to hundred grams of fat a day. And then usually about, um, a hundred or about 200 grams of protein a day. That's normal. And I'm trying to lose weight right now or do like more of a body recomposition. Um, I, uh, yeah, that, that's just what works for me. And then maybe, you know, in six months to a year, I'll decide that maybe I want to do something different. Like part of me kind of wants to go back to doing the carnivore diet, but I enjoy carbohydrates so much that I don't think I could. Um, yeah, I, I guess if I could package this whole podcast into a couple points, the first point suffer enough that you get better and that the suffering becomes less and less over time so that way you can find new things to suffer for. So you continue to get better. Putin is much more competent and intelligent than um, our leaders. And it's a shame that we don't have better leaders and um, do whatever you're going to do. Anyways, it's your life. You get to make your own rules. So um, make sure you hit the links below guys, go to drink slash in Liberty and health to get the world's best electrolytes stags. I know that's kind of, um, you know, if, if you are looking for electrolytes, I can't recommend element enough. I use their shit all the fucking time still to this day, even though I'm not keto. I just find their electrolytes enjoyable. Um, Tiger Fitness for the world's best supplements, the stuff that I pretty much shop for exclusively. Um, and then the world's greatest coffee, Fox Sun's Coffee. Use code Kyle at checkout. Um, check out a common crown. We put out our single cry almost a month to the day. Tomorrow will be a month that cry has been out. And make sure you go listen to that stuff. And if you listen to it in your house, make sure you turn up loud enough that your neighbors hear it. If you get the cops called on you, then that is not my fault. And until next time, guys, thank you so much and take care. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.